Hello, my name is Johnny Taylor and I am a PE teacher and a coach with a passion for all things related to mindfulness, breathwork and sports science. And welcome to the Optimal Mindset Podcast. In these episodes, we'll be chatting with some of my personal idols and experts in the field of sports and performance. I hope to uncover their stories about their journey, optimizing routine and mindset to achieve their goals. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life. All right, welcome to episode number four. Uh, today's guest is Jonathan McCarthy. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Jonathan. Hey, everyone. Yeah, thank you, Johnny. Good to talk. Um, so Jonathan's completed the Transcontinental Cycle Race, which is a 4,000-kilometer self-supported cycle race across Europe. Uh, he also finished the Three Peaks Race and a Trans-Pyrenees Race as well. And whenever I think about you, I always think about the determination and the resilience that you must have to, to cycle such big distances. And I'm really excited for us to kind of unpack your mindset and, and talk about your accomplishments today. So, so looking forward to, to diving in. So I always like to start with the question, what inspired you to get involved in ultra distance cycling? Like what was your inspiration behind your, your start? Um, yeah. So I think I just have a really strong passion for traveling. And when I, when I, I kind of was like during the school year, I'm a teacher uh, by craft and during the school year, it's quite intense. And so you don't get as much time to kind of move around and, and, and see the world. And I've, I've been abroad for some time now and um, cycling just kind of opened up this window of opportunity to travel every single weekend like i i feel like i've traveled every single weekend going to check out a new town city forest i mean literally just looking on google maps kind of like finding the greenest part with the least amount of roads and just being like i'm gonna go there um so i, I remember as a kid looking through this uh world almanac on my dad's uh, coffee table and just kind of flipping through and and I guess, you know, looking back like that, that must be some inspiration for my, you know, that my life has led me abroad. But um, I think cycling kind of links to that. And it just gave me an opportunity to check out all these towns and, and thinking like, man, there must be something there. And, and just going to places that you wouldn't otherwise go to. And I think once I found that the bike could take me there to not, not only from point A to point B, but like all the places in between, I was just hooked. And then, then naturally you're like, you know, two hours isn't enough. Four hours isn't enough. Six hours isn't enough. And um, before you know it, you're doing 12 hour rides every other weekend. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think you were going to approach it from the lens of like travel. I thought you were going to go more down the competitive route, but it, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's interesting how much, of the world you can see and have many of those experiences you can have right by by traveling and, and getting out on your bike which is which is a good answer so this podcast i'm oh, sorry go ahead do you want to do jump in no there? i just um i mean it's it's so it's so complex it's so complete of a sport um there's i you know there's like navigation and i love navigating there's problem solving there's facing your fears and so i think uh i just got so hooked on kind of how how 
wholesome of a sport it is and, and you have to develop so many different skills and and then there's kind of just that what's what's within you that that uh, makes you ultimately succeed in kind of accomplishing whatever goal you set out for yourself with it. I like that and that, that leads really nicely to our next question. So what you said at the end there about having the goal or something that you can, can work towards. So this podcast is obviously interested in what is an optimal mindset. So if I was asked to you ask to ask you, Jonathan, what is your definition of an optimal mindset? Um I I think I'm someone that has I I have rarely achieved an optimal mindset. I think I've kind of come close in various different aspects. Um but I haven't gotten to where I know I could get. Um, I think, uh, so for me, an optimal mindset would be to have clear objectives. And for me, the objective has always been to finish. Uh, with ultra distance races, th these races are somewhere between 500 and 8,000 kilometers. Um, and you, know, you have to have the basic objective of I'm gonna finish this thing. Right. So that, that's, that helps kind of lead into all the other things. So um, you got to focus on execution. I think for me, it's really, you know, execute within the expectations you have for the event. Um, you know, I've never gone into events thinking that I'm going to uh, finish in first place, but there's been events, shorter ones where I'm like, I should be on the podium. I should be top three. And it's really all about execution. Um, Sometimes, you know, you you start a race and you see the bunch kind of break away. And uh, you're all of a sudden after four hours, like you're with them and then you're alone. And uh, it can be a lonely feeling, but I think having that, like the mindset to execute and race your race and know that mechanicals are a factor, weather's a factor, uh, nutrition's a factor, motivation. There's so many different things that could influence the outcome of a race that you just got to execute, kind of like race your race. Um, and that, that goes back to, to the mindset, right? Is other people have their strategy and you assume that it's better because all of a sudden they've kind of dropped you. But uh, in 10 hours, you know, they might be getting a hotel and then you're doing the, the pass at night and all of a sudden they're going to wake up chippy chipper in the morning and, and, and you're a hundred K in front of them. So um, I think just racing your race, focusing on fun, like the, the, you're doing enough training for whatever event you're doing and, and ultra distance cycling. It's, you just have to log those hours on the bike. So it's gotta be fun. Like um, you have to make sure that you're riding with your friends, even if it's at a slower pace than you otherwise would ride. I've, I've found some difficulties balancing that, but I think as long as you, you know, you're having fun in that training process. That's really important. Um, and then part, another part of the mindset is like knowing that you have solutions, you have kind of a bag full of tricks to, to turn to when things uh, go bad, right? Because things are going to go bad in, in the rain, you're going to break a chain, you know? So I think um, part of the mindset is knowing that you can solve those problems. So you got to, you got to do the races to know what's going to come up. And you got to um, develop those skills. I mean, for me, it's like watching YouTube videos to make sure that I know how to do that mechanical stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'm not by nature, by craft, good at that. But uh, I've tried to tried to get better and ask good questions. So I think, yeah, that's um, 
that's what's what I would say is a optimal mindset. I like it. And just to touch, just to kind of touch on what you said there, I think it's an expression I like to use. Maybe is is it's you against you, right? Like it's not about competing with other people. It's about you racing yourself. And I think you've touched on that and you've talked about that in in your definition. So so thanks very much. Um, before we dive into the the different races that you've done and before we talk about some of the accomplishments, um, could you maybe just for our audience talk about what the difference between um, an ultra distance is or what is an ultra distance and then what is a, what does self being a self-supported race mean do you want to just give us those definitions um, yeah yeah ultra distance is um, something probably over 300 to 500 kilometers that, that would be the minimum and then up to eight to ten thousand kilometers of distance um, the races that I've done have been 1,000 2,000 and uh, upwards of 4,500 um so that's ultra distance and these races usually they you know the race starts and it stops and you have uh, some amount of time to complete the race and that window is pretty tight so for example in the uh, transcontinental race we had a window of 15 days to race 4,500 kilometers so if you do the math it's around you know as a minimum it's around 360 kilometers a day and then if you're riding 25 kilometers an hour, you're at four, right? Four hours is 100K. So you're, you're riding average of 15 hours a day. And then you take into consideration the stops. So that's, that's what you would expect out of an ultra distance race. Like I'm, I'm riding my bike as a minimum 15 hours. And then I'm doing two hours of stopping time and i'm sleeping as little as possible so it is the distance is ultra and then like the amount of time spent on the bike compared to the very little amount of time sleeping um, and then and then self-supported is that just kind of looking at the rules from the recent uh, event that i did um, you have no third-party support resupply or lodgings there's no drafting all forward travel must be self-supported um all riders must maintain evidence of the ride so on and so forth so essentially the support that you can receive must be something you get for yourself it can't be pre-planned and it has to be available to all the different riders so uh say that your the race happens to pass through your best mate's uh hometown you you really are not allowed to see that person because the even the the emotional support they would give you if they just stopped and had a coffee with you would be uh, some an opportunity that other riders wouldn't have. And it's it it changes everything because if you know a lot of times in these races you're you know you're approaching you're at the base of a mountain and you're going to do a mountain pass at night while it's raining, while it's thunderstorm. And if you know that there's a vehicle up there that in the worst case scenario can kind of pull you out of that situation, and then better yet that it's your loved one, it, it does change the way that you're riding. Um, and, it, and it changes the, the mental headspace that you're in. So uh, that's kind of a, a good, I think, way to understand 
self-supported and and all the the results even they're kind of tentative results in the moment and usually it takes uh, some of the race organizers two to three months to check all the gps data to make sure that you know there's no anomalies and that you don't reach super fast speeds or in flat sections that, that you just wouldn't be able to do. so they they do take it very seriously and there's a real spirit and integrity to the race because ultimately you know, there are some people that get sponsored and, and they're living off of it and it's really exciting, but, um, you know, there's no prizes. Like you're just out there competing against yourself and against your, your rivals. And, um, so there's, that's, uh, self-supported. So for the, for the transcontinental race, you were racing about 360 kilometers a day for 15 days. That's right. Something. Yeah. 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 Wow, that sounds, I mean, that sounds tough. How did you, I mean, I have many follow-up questions here, but I guess one of the first ones would be from a from a technical point of view, how did you like fuel enough energy to survive those long stretches of, yeah, 15, 16 hour days? Yeah, again, self-supported. Like you, you might take some gels and some powders and stuff like to begin the race, but it's a, it's a, a minimum two week race. And you're racing against the clock. So it's like uh, we would just see out of 7-Elevens every single day, all day, fast. I mean, you're you're in and out of a 7-Eleven in five minutes. So you kind of know exactly that like, you're going for the Twinkie, the hot dog. Uh, what you want is kind of a variety. Like you want a variety of foods. If anything, just like the mouth pleasure because, you know, you can only eat so many Snickers in a day. Uh, I was listening to a, a good ultra cyclist who says, you know, if when the night hits, right, he wants to make sure that he's got one Snickers bar per hour of cycling. So, you know, maybe at eight o'clock at night, you're stopping to pick up eight Snickers bars or 10 Snickers bars. And then if you know you're going to stop, you got to have something to eat right before you stop and take a nap for two hours or something. Um, but yeah, the, the fueling is, it's just simple carbs. Um, I kind of have an iron stomach, so man, I, I go for the, I go for the donuts, man. I go for bread. I like just regular bread. I like, uh, Haribo, like anything sour is a good kind of pick me up, a good boost. Um, soda, yeah. Coffee, water, all that, but it's really a kebab. Like you kind of want to, it's funny cause you're always analyzing like, can I get in and out of this place in five minutes? So a lot of times, even though the food looks good, it looks fresher, you're probably not going to stop there because you're not sure that you can get in and out quickly. So I think kebabs are like a great option. Usually you order like, can I get three kebabs? Can I get two sodas? And can I pay right now? And so while they're preparing it, you know, you're kind of like using the bathroom, filling up water bottles, splashing some water in your face. You've already paid right? You're kind of like adding layers, changing layers, pumping up your tires, doing any sort of mechanical stuff. And then you get your three kebabs, you shove, I mean, literally you just like break the kebab, break it in half, shove it into the back of your saddlebag, and then take the one that you haven't shoved in there and kind of just like you're munching on the bike. Like you're literally eating all the meals on the bike. I love it. I love it. Interesting how this podcast is dissected to uh, kebab eating while while going on the uh, while going on the go. And um, so to follow up with that, with that, what was like the darkest moment of the race, and how did you 
find your way out of that dark moment? Like, what was the most challenging moment where you were like almost ready to give up? Like, you were like, this is too hard, you know, this is too tough. And how did you have the mindset and the tools to bring yourself out of that moment? Yeah, man, there's so many, so many challenges. Like, it's, um, it's a mental, it's such a mental battle. And then on top of that, I actually did the race as a pair. So I did the race, this past race with a friend of mine named Chris Dunnand. Um, he and I had raced before back in 2019 in France and Spain. Um, and then after that, I did a race kind of alone, a, a bit of a longer race. And then we um, signed up for the transcontinental and rode it together. So it's, it's quite, I guess, um, 20% of the 400 participants more or less do it as a pair. It's, it's more rare. And also it's, they say it's a lot more difficult. Um, I can't really say, but I know what the challenges are racing as a pair. So I would say um, for me, like the primary challenge was, was the partnership and managing the relationship, uh, you know, during the highs and lows, like it was tough and we're still really good friends, but um, you know, we, he and I have been through a lot and we've had some really tough conversations and, you know, he's kind of seen the worst of me and, and uh, I, I don't think there's a bad side to him. Like, he's just a super solid dude, a solid mate. And um, But that, that was the hardest part. So um, I went into the transcontinental kind of – I guess let me go back. There was – the first ultra race that I did was a race called the um, – uh, what is it called? It's it's called the um, Randonier. It's like called the Imperatore Randonier. It's a race that goes from uh, Monaco or Munich, rather, sorry, Munich in Germany to Ferrara in Italy. So essentially, you cross the Brenner Pass, kind of this like one of the primary passes through the Alps. Uh, you go through southern Germany and Bavaria, Switzerland, Austria, and Italy. And um, you do it in two days. So it's 650 kilometers in two days. That was the first ultra race that I'd done. And day one, we essentially did the Brenner Pass, did about 350 kilometers. In the last five hours, it was just nighttime torrential rain. Uh, I was, you know, I didn't have that much experience. I kind of caught up with these German guys and rode with them the whole time. Um, I didn't have a GPS Garmin unit, so I didn't have the coordinates and the routing and stuff and so it was helpful to be with them we ended up sharing a hotel in balsano in italy and um you know they they were just like doubting themselves at night like should we keep going it's raining it's cold like all my stuff's wet and uh i didn't really have clear objectives of what i wanted out of that event uh i didn't know my limits it was the furthest probably i'd ridden ever in one day i bonked really bad on um this pass uh, on the Stelvio, I can't remember exactly what the pass is called, but um, bonked super hard, kind of recovered. And when those guys woke up in the morning and they decided to pull out, um, I did too. And I remember I woke up in Bolsano, just kind of like listless, putzing around town, got a coffee and a, and a baguette, and was just so... Dude, I was so miserable. I was so disappointed with myself. And the whole, the, the next three weeks, like, I was I was an absolute mess. Like, 
you know, you would have thought someone like ran over my dog or something. I was just, I, I never felt more disgusted with myself, you know? And in that moment, I didn't really think about like how it was going to make me feel. And I think that experience was like, you don't quit a race, you know, that experience taught me like whatever challenges you face in the event, you don't quit because uh, the, the pain, like the, the, the way that you're going to perceive yourself after the fact is just, you know, it's not worth it. Right. So um, I went into the transcontinental. I mean, that, that kind of colored all of my racing after that. And in the transcontinental, I knew that like, you're going to have to kill me, you know, to, for me not to finish, you're going to have to kill me. So I never thought about giving up, but the hardest moment was, I guess, a climb coming out of Sarajevo in Bosnia. It was like 1130. Um, usually I'd wake up and be like pretty strong in the morning and then kind of kind of towards midday, like just in it was just hot and I kind of get this like weird heat stroke or something. Um, and it was just a beast of a climb to get out of the city. And then it was like this communist climbs where they were super steep, like 20% gradient for a long time really bald mountain so just really exposed to the sun and i just was so i was cracking man really bad and uh i guess the you know you get into a really negative headspace because as a partner chris was just stronger than i was he was stronger than i was from like day one i knew that he was stronger going into it and um I just constantly, I mean, day to day, it was a struggle not to get into a dark negative headspace because I felt like I was disappointing him. And I knew that he could have ridden like faster, you know, better. You know, he, he just, he's just a stronger rider. So that was hard for me to manage. And on this climb, I kind of just was like in my head and I honestly was tearing up. Like I was tearing up. It's 1230. I'm just so filthy dirty haven't slept we slept in an abandoned house the night before like right on the border two hours of sleep on the edge and I was just like I, I just remember being like I'm trying my best like I was tearing up and just yelled at him like I'm trying my best man you know that's that's all I got and uh I remember not really talking for like two hours after that we crossed um into the Republic of Srpska and through this like wasteland this barren wasteland and uh I, I was just yeah in my head and uh but then the cool thing about cycling is like in those ultra distance races you're just on the limit and it's you, you experience these lows and then three hours later you're in like the highest of the high and it's like it never happened so um you gotta fight through it and i think being there before like taught me that just keep you just keep riding and physical pain goes away, mental pain goes away. And like, you just want to be able to say you are who you thought you were. And like, you, you, you did what you said you're going to do. And uh, that's kind of my commitment to myself that I made after that, whatever that race is called. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess that was the hardest, that was the hardest moment was in Bosnia. I like it. Yeah, you've shared some really, really vulnerable stories there. That was that was really interesting. Um, so do you have a before you go out in the morning or before you get on the bike? Do you have any uh, maybe it's like psychological rituals or any like routines that you do that you perform like maybe 
visualization or like meditation or do you do anything that before you go out on the bike that you have to do in order to optimize your mind and get yourself ready to go or are you just like get on the bike and go no not at all absolutely not i mean i think good cyclists know to like get your stuff ready the night before you know because there's always some you're forgetting a glove you forget to charge your garment load the track whatever so any good cyclist like gets the stuff kind of just get it together in some general area um so you can have a relaxing morning but no i mean i guess my thinking was like you gotta we you know we knew that the goal was 360 kilometers a day and i just told myself like if i can't ride there'll be times when i do training rides hungover you know wake up get two hours of sleep hungover ride you know and i'm like if i can't do that if i can't ride um 300 kilometers uh, in this state like if i can't start the ride i'll get better right i'll get better and just kind of fight my way through it then i shouldn't be lining up at the start line and i guess even for a weekend ride i kind of take that approach like you just the hardest part is getting started so just not don't think about it you know just like if you said you were going to ride today just get on there um so yeah i don't i don't have uh too many kind of rituals before I'd say before races, I usually take sleeping pills because I'm kind of like, you know, you want to make sure you get a good sleep. And, and a lot of the race organizers try to mess with you. Like the race will start at 10 p.m. So you're kind of loafing around all day, like nervous and stuff. So, but yeah, there's not much that uh, would gets in my head. And I think it's just for me about that mindset where you're like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Almost very simple. Right. Like just get started and get going and i think yeah you can apply that to other areas of your life too right rather than just just cycling as well so what would be something or would you say that completing the transcontinental race was your one of your proudest moments or what would be one of the proudest accomplishments of your ultra cycling journey yeah no doubt i think um that would definitely be the proudest moment you know it's a it's a very well-known race it's a competitive race i think we you know we competed in it um and um you know i'm proud of i'm proud of how we raced we finished in second place but then were docked 12 hour uh time penalty because we illegally crossed um from bosnia into montenegro there was kind of an uh, unmanned border crossing and um so we so we finished the race like actually in real time in second place and then due to the time penalty finished in third place so i was i was proud of our result i was proud of like how we finished because we just were on this like just firestorm the past the the last three days it was like ridiculous riding ridiculous racing uh, you're racing for, you know, we race for like 25 hours straight. I mean, literally not sleeping, just, just a 10 minute nap on a, on a, uh, ferry crossing into Bulgaria. Uh, but I guess beyond that, I feel like, um, I mean, I'm proud of the kind of partnership that Chris and I had. I'm more proud of like the partnership he had with me than the partnership I had with him because I think he, he was like, did more things. He was more of a partner to me, but I'm, I'm proud of us for finishing together. And I guess I'm, I'm proud of 
the fact that we're closer now than we were before, because I think after the race, it like could have gone in a totally different direction. Whereas like, you know what, I'm going to, I got to take a break from you. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> and that did actually happen for a couple weeks or months actually, but uh, it was just intense. I'm, I'm proud that we're like better friends now and we've kind of overcome the, whatever, you know, the race made us go through. I like it. So just, would you say that this, I don't know how to describe it, maybe like a, an ultra mindset or like an ultra cyclist mindset. Like, do you, would you say that this has helped you in other areas of your life? So this idea of, of all the tools and the, the mindset and the resilience that you've developed through these long races, would you say that you can apply these to other areas of your life to help you be successful? Yeah, totally. I mean, today I, today I, I was told myself I was going to run home from work. And uh, then I realized I had some like stuff, a lot of stuff that I needed to take home. So I was like, am I really going to run home with a backpack of dirty clothes and kind of Tupperware and using cotton boxers? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I strapped up the backpack and never ridden with one, rode, uh, ran with one. But I think like, that mindset is like just trying to kind of get started, you know, do it. And I, and I think when you're at work in the hardest part of your day is like that indoor training session, you just, it just gives you this mental strength to be like, I can get through whatever I got to get through. You know, if I need to not sleep that much today to make sure that I like do that marking I need to do or, um, support my partner the way that I need to it's like yeah you can you can do that I think it's taught me what what it it's taught me how deep I can dig you know to uh, get the job done and that you know I can I can put myself through some real setbacks for like two or three days and yeah just just fight through it so cool. do you have any um, do you have any books or any like resources that you would kind of return to or something maybe that has changed your perspective on life or maybe changed your perspective on the way that you think any kind of books that you have engaged with and read maybe more than once or any books that you would recommend to, to the audience? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, one of the reasons I love this ultra cycling is because you, you get to learn so much while doing it. Like it's just the perfect time to listen to podcasts and stuff. Um, as far as a book, one that stands out is, is a book called Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. Um, and it's about, it's about traveling and kind of his thesis is that you should, everyone should take time off their normal life. Anything from like two weeks to four months um, to discover the world on your own terms. And um, I read that book when I was 25 and started my first uh open-ended traveling experience and I think since then on I've I've always looked forward to moments when I can vagabond you know and kind of connect with my physical environment and, and meet people like my greatest pleasure in life is meeting people that I'll never meet again uh, I don't know why but it's like it, it makes me feel just so connected to my the human experience um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great read. It's an easy read. And um, it's definitely kind of influenced the way that I, what I 
strive to do on the bike. You know, I just want to get out there vagabond. I want to, I want to just ride and kind of like see, see the world unfold before me and see a new town, see a new place. And definitely brings me back to work on a Monday feeling like just appreciative of, of how beautiful things are, you know, and how good I have it as well. And so, you know, through that experience, like through, through, the cycling it's kind of taught me not to complain you know because because i have it really good and and you see a lot of people that don't necessarily have it as good as you do so uh, but yeah it's a good read check it out perfect perfect I, yeah i feel like you've almost got like a dichotomous idea this idea of of cycling as a way of growing yourself and improving yourself and challenging yourself but you've also got cycling as a as a means of travel and experience and and seeing and having new being out in nature and having new opportunities to just see the world. And it's, it's a really nice blend between the two. So yeah, it's very impressive. I, it's good to hear about that. Um, if you could give three practical tools to our listeners, um, what would they be to try and optimize or improve the way that they think or improve their mindset? What would be your top three tips? Um, yeah, I'd say, I guess consistent with what I said already, just get started get started, um, do what you say you're going to do and kind of get in the habit of acknowledging the excuses or the reasons why not. And then just kind of, you know, looking for solutions, right? Maybe it's time and you can say, Hey, like I'm going to go do what I said I was going to do just for 30 minutes and I'll do it a little bit harder than I expected to. Um, and, and, and that consistency is really important. And then the other thing I was going to say is, I kind of, when I'm in the, when I'm racing, I'm like, if I hate it, like if this is hard for me, if it's hot, if it's raining, if it's miserable, like, you know, then I bet my rivals do as well. So I'm not, I guess I'm kind of competitive in my own way, but like, and that's not an actionable point, but I think when you think about mindset, it's like, if I'm in the pits right now, then everyone else is, you know? And so let me, in cycling, there's like the, the concept of making a selection, like when you launch your attack to like split the, the peloton. And um, I think that's it. Like you can, you can, you train so hard to, to be able to do that. And if you find yourself in a tough spot, like everyone else on the course does as well. So uh, if you keep clawing your way through, like they're going to break at some point. And um I guess if it's not in a competitive environment, like if you just keep working at what you're doing, you know, and just focus on gritting your way through tough situations, like you're going to get better and you'll achieve your results that way. So I guess I'm, you- I'm someone that doesn't have, you know, a lot of physical prowess. I think I've just, any success that I've had on the bike has been just because I'm gritty, you know, and I, and I, and I feel like any points of action is just like just grinding and uh, doing the work. Can you go back to what you said earlier about uh, something about you said about explaining or admitting the excuses? What 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 was that process look like? What what would that? Can you give me like a practical example as to how you might incorporate that? Um. Yeah. I mean, you kind of. Let's see. I'm trying to think of a. Uh, I guess the. I mean, there was a training ride that I had to do. I wanted to test out some gear. This is like 
uh, late May of last year. I wanted to test out my sleeping gear. And um, I had my washer broke. I had to wait around for the mechanic. And by the time the mechanic came around, it was like, you know, 1130 in the morning. And and then by the time I was, I was supposed to ride two, 300 kilometer days. And this was like the first long rides I'd done. And I was going to sleep outside. And um, it was, it was the middle of the day. It was super hot in, in Tuscany at the moment. And, um, you know, it just, my, my timeline was, was, you know, off, off kilter. It was like, I expected to leave at five in the morning and now I wasn't leaving until one thirty in the afternoon. And I just was like, listen, man, if the, this summer you're, you're going to have to just fight through whatever there is. And so you kind of acknowledge like all the reasons why the situation isn't perfect, why the, why the game has changed and, and how it's not what you expected, but like, that's exactly what you're going to need to overcome. So, um, I, yeah, got on the bike and was like, yeah, just, just, just made it happen. Um, I guess in a, in a day to day situation, um, I just try not to allow myself to give too much credence to those excuses. I mean, if it, uh, if it's something about, you know, sometimes people are like, I'm, I don't feel well, or, uh, I, I'm busy, you know, I guess if I commit to doing it, you know, then I'm going to do it. If I commit to doing it, then I'm going to do it. And I, and I also commit quietly. I don't tell people that I'm doing stuff. I think that might be another good thing. I think there's the power of like, uh, vocalizing your intentions but you have to be really clear on what those intentions are and kind of like working through the, what it's going to imply for you as a person before you tell someone that you're going to do it. Because for me, like once I come out publicly with like, I'm going to do this, whether it could be something very trivial, you know, a, a objective at work. Um, once I vocalize it, like I, I really want to make sure that comes to fruition. And so I think there's kind of, the work that happens before you come out with something vocally. And, and uh, that's when you're like setting your mindset and understanding what the different steps are to achieve that goal. Um, but once you, once you make it public, like there's, there's really no reason why there's nothing really that's in the way of you stop, you know, you're not achieving it. I think when, when we, I know we first had this chat about cycling. I think one thing that was really nice was, you're very humble in the way that you approach things, right? Like it wasn't like it took us a while chatting, getting to know each other before you, before I realized that you had such a huge passion for ultra cycling. I think there's a balance between having setting your intentions out loud and telling people that you're going to do something. But then there's also a balance between having that like trained humility. I think David Goggins calls it. And it's this idea of being humble enough and, and letting your actions speak louder than words. Right. And I think that's a balance that you strike really well. So it's something that I've always mm. kind of been quite impressed with you. Thanks, man. Um, so to, to wrap things up, how would uh, people get in touch with you? Uh, what would be the best way for them to connect with you if they wanted to find out more about your, your cycling or your, uh, or your journey? Yeah. So at the moment there's not much cycling for me. Um, but uh yeah, I, I, people can reach out on Instagram. I guess that's probably the best way. Uh, J-E underscore McCarthy, M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y. And um, yeah, I, I love, you know, I'm trying to understand my new physical environment here in the Philippines and what ultra distance cycling has to offer here. 
um, and looking forward to getting involved in some uh, events here in Asia in the coming year. Perfect. Well, we'll put these, uh, we'll pull that information out there in the show notes, but I really do appreciate you, you giving up the time to, uh, to share your thoughts. And, and there's definitely a lot of uh, actionable steps that people can take. And I think you set some really good examples there with, with your mindset. So thanks very much for joining the show. Yeah, man. Thank you uh, for your time and, and thanks everyone for listening. Perfect. All right. Well, this has been episode four of the optimal mindset with Jonathan McCarthy. And I look forward to hearing again from you soon and uh, tuning in for the next episode. All right, take care, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Optimal Mindset podcast today. We are available on SoundCloud and on Spotify. I've included all my information in the show notes for those who wish to find out more about our, our guests and upcoming episodes. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life.